Well, let's pray. God, I pray that your word would come alive in our hearts today, that you would be using it to connect us with you, Jesus, and that it would enable us to connect with one another and to be about the business you call us to, which is to go out and change the world. And so change us today, Lord, as you see fit. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the traditions we have in our family is to sit down and do family meal together, and I realize that is sort of like an old-fashioned thing to do, but there's something about getting around the dinner table and connecting, and somebody along the way had given us a little gift of these little cards that will are question starters. Have you ever seen these kind of things? They have all kinds of different questions. One of them um, that pops up every once in a while, to which we always have the same answers for, is if you could have any superpower, what would you like to have? And my daughter is always quick to say, if I could have any super, I'd love to be able to fly. Like flying, I guess it would be really cool. And so she picks that one. My, my wife typically picks, I would love to be able to go out into space and just go anywhere I wanted, uh, you know, in a safe kind of way. I want to go out and see stars or planets and different galaxies, just be able to travel around the galaxies. And I thought, wow, that's a really cool one. And mine usually revolves around some variation of, I just love to have wisdom, like the wisdom of Solomon to know and just where things are leading and just have that kind of mind um, that God just reveals secrets to you. I thought, man, that would be great. And that would make, frankly, a really powerful family. If you could have all those things, and Bella can fly us all over the place, Margaret can take us into space and do that, and I'll just know what we need to do uh, whenever we need to do that. But there's another question that we run across that has different answers, depending on sort of the mood we were in, and it, it's simply this question, if you could travel through time, where would you go? And really, depending on how you want to look at that question is how you're going to answer that question, because if you're looking to just experience something, like it's just like I'm watching it happen before me, I'm not really there, I'm just experiencing it, I mean, it would be really cool, I think, to go back to the creation of the world. I think that would be cool to see how everything came into existence, and you could be the one to say, no, I was there. I saw how everything came to be in that moment, and when God spoke and put everything into existence, that would be a really cool thing to stand in the Garden of Eden where um, God made everything and everything was good. That would be a great place to go back into. But if you're not looking for the experience, you're looking to maybe go back and change something in history, like back to the future kind of thing. Most often, most of us would think of something in our own lives where we would like to go back and undo something that we did, a decision we made, or a regret that we have, or something we said yes to that we should have said no to, or something we should have said yes to that we said no to at that time. Or, or maybe you just like to go back and relive a moment in time. And this is always fun to do as we think about that. And I thought, wow, I'd love to go back to like our whole wedding weekend because just having all the family and friends gathered together and having such a great time, it went by in such a hurry. But it was one of those magical moments of life that was just so beautiful and love to go back to. That is the right answer, by the way, for married men out there. If you're looking for how to answer that question, that is what you want to go back too. And, and one of the things also that I love going back to, I'd love to go back to the delivery room where our daughter was, was born. And just to be back in that moment for a second and relive that because that was another moment that just seemed to slip by so quickly. And I just love to sort of relive the emotion of that moment where she's placed in my hands for the very first time. But if I want to experience all of these, 
where I'd like to go back and experience that. I'd like to just have some change happen in me, and then I would like to experience and relive a moment. I would love to go back in the Bible and go back to the death and the resurrection of Jesus and when the church was just beginning to form and be a part of some of the crazy things that Jesus' followers were doing. I'd love to be there when people are miraculously being healed. I would love to be there when thousands of people are being baptized. I would love to see lives being transformed. I'd love to see how it was that people are living with such generous spirits that they're selling all their possessions and they're giving it to people when they had a need. I would love to be a part of that. And we can, to some extent, be a part of it because some of these words that are written down are 2,000 years old and they describe what it looked like for the church. We started this last week with a section in a book called Second Corinthians that Paul wrote to this church in Corinth. And you can go on our website, you can go to our YouTube channel, Facebook, and see last week's message. But suffice it to say that Paul was talking to this church in Corinth and he uses as an example a church and a community to the north of them called Macedonia. And these Macedonian churches, even though they were going through extreme poverty and a severe trial, that it welled up in this rich generosity that they begged for an opportunity to give to people that they'd never meet and never see. I love that kind of generosity. I'd love to be back in that moment because they chose to be generous. So we're going to pick it up now in verse 6 of chapter 8 if you want to follow along in your Bible or on the outline or just look at the projection on the screen or the YouVersion Bible app. Look at verse 6. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. Now as we look at that, the question naturally would be, well, what happened? You know, they, they started to give and then they quit giving. Like, what, what happened? And we really don't know what happened. Maybe it was because of some of the conflict that the church in Corinth had with Paul, and there's a lot of commentaries that have been written about that. And, and maybe they just decided, you know, we don't really like Paul anymore, so we're going to keep our money to ourselves. We're not giving any of it to this movement of Jesus followers at all. It's sort of the adult version of I'm taking my ball and going home. That's what that is. But I think it might be more so that there was a lot of fear and a lot of worry going on in the community. And maybe they were looking at this community to the north called Macedonia, and they saw their severe trials and extreme poverty. And they'd heard about the church in Jerusalem. These Jesus followers were being persecuted for their faith, and maybe they're just waiting for the shoe to drop on them. And they're like, we don't really have any excess right now. Maybe the best thing that we can do as Jesus followers is just keep this money to ours. I know we pledged to give some money, and we promised to give some money, but maybe the best thing we can do is let's keep this for ourselves because we might need it later on. And maybe some of you find yourself in that same boat today. You know, with the elections going on, I don't know what's going to happen with COVID. I don't really know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen with the stock market and my investments. I don't know what's going to happen with my job. I don't know what's going to happen. And so the natural tendency is to live in that fear and, and live in that worry. And this is where I, I'm so thankful that I was so blessed to grow up with a family that modeled following Jesus, my, my parents and my grandparents. And I can remember going to my grandma's house. We'd spend a week there every single summer. And 
<clears throat> when I was there, it must have been the beginning of the month one time because the mail was delivered. And when the mail was delivered at grandma's house, um, it wasn't just go out and get the mail. It was go out and have a conversation with the mailman for as long as they would stay and talk to you. And, and she got to know the mailman, in fact, so well when his wife um, died, uh, he was there that next Thanksgiving and eating um, Thanksgiving dinner with us because she didn't want him to be alone. So we knew the mailman real well. So she goes out, gets the mail, and it seemed like forever. She comes back in, and she's opening up the mail, and uh, she gets uh, a check. I'm like, hey, what's that, Grandma? And she goes, oh, this is my Social Security check. And I was young at the time, but I realized that was the only source of income she had. Her husband had passed away before I was even born, so she had lived on her own and just on this Social Security and this little tiny pension um, that she had. And this is what she lived on. And she went over to her desk when she opened up that check, and she pulled out a checkbook, and she began to write. And I said, Grandma, what are you doing? She goes, well, I'm writing a check to church. I'm like, well, Grandma, it's Monday. Church isn't until Sunday. Why are you writing a check now? She goes, well, as soon as I get a check, I tithe on this check, and then I just take it to church next time I'm there. And, and she explained to me what a tithe was. And even as a kid, I could look around and go, man, Grandma doesn't have a lot. She doesn't really have a lot to give. But she gave. And I remember as I got a little bit older asking her more about that. And she goes, no, God has always provided and always taken care of me. And I'm just going to, I've done this all of my life. I'm going to continue to do this until I go and be with Jesus. And I remember as a kid growing up, I'm like, I want to be that confident in God providing. I want to be that hopeful that God is going to come through when I go through severe trials, that I don't have to worry about tomorrow, that God has taken care of enough for today. And so take a look at verse 7. Paul continues the conversation. He said, since you excel in everything. And he's talking to this church in Corinth. You excel in a lot of things, in your faith, you're growing, in your speech, you're maturing, in your knowledge, you're coming to new understandings, in complete earnestness, and in the love that we have kindled in you. See also that you excel in this grace of giving. This grace of of giving. Notice it's not a law of giving. This isn't a requirement that they had to follow. This was the grace of giving. And, and I know a lot of us don't think of grace, um, and we think of grace, and we think of giving. We think of we're required to give, or we have to give. And really what Paul is reminding them of, and we all need that reminder, that grace is a response. Giving is a response to the grace that God has poured out into our lives. And, and maybe some of you have never really been touched by that incredible grace of God. I can remember the first time that really became deeply meaningful to me. I was in my 20s and studying to become a pastor, and I was coming sort of face-to-face -face with some choices that I made when I was younger and feeling the shame and the guilt and just embarrassed that that was part of my story. And the weightiness was getting so great on me, I just grabbed a friend of mine and said, I, I really need to talk. And so we went out privately and we, we talked for a while. I just unpacked everything I could possibly think of that was just weighing on my heart and in my mind and I just couldn't let go of. And I went on forever just with tears. And I'm not a very emotional kind of guy, but it just was flowing out of me, all of this guilt and shame and just laid it right in front of a friend of mine. And, and he looked up at me when I was done. He said, John, do you not know that every one of those sins has already been paid for? Do you know that God has already taken away your shame and your guilt? So why are you still carrying it around? 
And he explained the grace of God to me in ways that I'm sure I'd heard before, but I'd never really experienced before. And maybe some of you are in the same boat today because the truth of the matter is, is God's grace didn't change. Man, it's been the same since the creation of the world. God's love and his grace and his mercy has been the same, but our experience of it does. And maybe our experience of it needs to change today. Because if we're living out of guilt and obligation and we're living out of the law, we're living out of the wrong motivation. And maybe what we need to do today is to change our perspective a little bit. You ever see one of those pictures that you can see one thing and then somebody points out something and then you see something completely different? Like, oh, that's a neat little scene, a little tree there and some buildings out in the background, a little statue that's right there. And then somebody points out, oh, do you see the face, by the way? Oh, wow, the statue's the nose. Oh, and I see the little eyes right there and the mouth. And the, Oh, wow, yeah, that's a completely different picture now. And maybe that's what we need to experience in the grace of God. We just need somebody, again, to point out to us, this is what the grace of God is, that God in his love and his mercy came down in Jesus and he lived and died that you would be forgiven and set free. And maybe your eyes need to be open to see a different picture today that it doesn't then obligate us to do everything for the rest of our life. It sets us free to live for him. So we don't just need to know about Jesus. We don't just need to know about grace. Grace has to get from our head into our heart and transform the way we live. Let's go on. Verse Eight, I am not commanding you. Of course he's not commanding you because it's a grace of giving. It's not a requirement. I'm not commanding you, but I do want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. And this is what he was doing with the Macedonian churches to the north of them. He said, because I see what's going on in you. You think you're generous because you've given some. But I want you to know you're not done yet. There's still room for you to grow, and there's still room for us to grow. And maybe this is why God says through the prophet Malachi in the last book of the Old Testament in chapter 3, it's the one time God says, test me in this. And the whole idea of testing, it comes around this idea of giving. And so Malachi says, you guys are robbing God. Like, how are we robbing God? How can you even possibly rob God? He said, in your tithes and your offerings, because you're bringing the worst of what you have, not the best of what you have. You're bringing the leftovers, not the first fruits. And he said, you're not even doing that. You're not even bringing the whole tithe into the storehouse. And somewhere along the line, they just got complacent. Oh, it doesn't really matter. God doesn't really care. It's not that big of a deal. And I'm obligated, so I'm just going to give him the bare minimum. And maybe, maybe not 10%. I'll give 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. And just sort of dwindle away. He said, no, bring the whole tide. Test me in this and see if I won't open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out such a blessing upon you. I think far too many people are, are missing the grace of God. And this is one of the things we need to get our mind around if we're going to really be serious about following Jesus and we're going to live generous kind of lives. There is always something better. This is why Paul wrote this. This is why Malachi uh, preached what he did that he records in Malachi chapter 3. This is why I want, because I want something better for you today. I want to set you free from feeling like I have to be generous. This is a requirement. I want you to know that there is something better for you. There is freedom around the corner. And I could imagine if we could go back in time 
and sit around the Macedonian churches and sit around the Corinthian churches, if we could sit around those body of believers, imagine we could just view them, we'd say, you know what, I want to be more like the Macedonian churches because they look a lot more free. They look free. They look happy in the midst of their poverty. In the midst of the persecution, they seem to be excelling in all these areas. They seem to have this deep connection with God. I want more of that, and I want more of that for you. I don't know what's in the way of your relationship with God, but I know for a lot of people, it's their money. And so I don't want that from you. I want to deliver you from that. Most of us probably think, um, you know, we're, we're generous uh, because of what we give. And it makes me think of when you know, you're a little kid, and you, you know, have your first crush or whatever, and you think, oh, I'm in love. And you have somebody a little older and wiser than you going, oh, yeah, no, you don't really understand. That's not really love. <laughs> That's just a feeling and emotion that you're having in this moment. That's not really love. And, and it's like, wait till you get married. Then you're going to really know what love is. And then you get married, and you find somebody else who's been married for a long time. You're like, oh, you don't really know what love is when you're newlywed. Wait till you've been together for like 50 years, and you've been through the ups and downs of life, and you're committed to one another. Then you're going to really understand the depth of loving one another. I mean, this is where I came across a quote by Henry Beecher that I absolutely love. He said, you'll never know the love of a parent until we become parents ourselves. And boy, I can remember sitting in that delivery room holding Isabella, Dr. Playster, in my hands. Probably the worst mistake he could have made. <laughs> and I'm just a sobbing idiot in that moment, just bawling and crying like I cannot believe that this is our child, and here it is. I get to see her for the very first time. And I remember this thought just washed over me. I said, man, I love you more than I've loved anything else in my life. I would die for you in this moment. I didn't even know that that kind of love existed until I became a, a dad. And I remember God, just that gentle whisper, like we sang about earlier. I could hear God saying, John, I love her more. My God, how is that possible? This is the love that God has. This is what's better. That God says, there's always something more I have for you. And I want you to experience that. I don't want anything to get in the way of my relationship with you. And this is why Paul is pushing on the church in Corinth. He says, I want something better for you. Look at verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know it. You've got an intellectual knowledge. You've heard about it. You could tell stories about the grace of God that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And here's our word again, might. And when you choose to be generous, you tap into this understanding of the grace of God. This is the richness that comes from doing what God calls us to do. But for far too many of us, we, we think that the gift of grace that God freely gives comes with strings attached. H have you ever gotten a gift that really wasn't a gift? A, a gift that lets you perpetually be indebted to the one who gave it to you? You ever get a gift like that? It looks like this. <laughs> you know, it's really not a gift, it was a trap. And all of a sudden you found yourself trapped by this gift. And they remind you all the time, remember that gift I gave you? That was like 10 years ago, and I paid you back 100-fold. I know, but I gave you that gift. Remember that way back then? And a lot of us think this is what God does, that he's trapping us with his gift of grace, and nothing could be further from the truth. 
Man, it's just the opposite of this. God says, I want my grace, this gift of grace to set you free. That I didn't come to trap you in a relationship. I I give you this gift to invite you into a relationship. And this relationship that will lead you to life. And I want that for you. Paul wants this for you. And God wants this for you. And you matter to God. And he loves you and he cares about you and he doesn't want that to get in the way and neither, nor do I. And this is why what I wanted you to do, and I've done this the last several weeks and want to encourage you to do it. We print it out in the worship folder. It's in the YouVersion Bible app. Here are some questions I want you to wrestle with this week. And I really want to challenge you to do this because my fear is you're going to hear something. You're like, oh, yeah, okay, that's great. I feel a little guilty. I should make some changes. But unless you intentionally do something, nothing ever changes. And, and I don't want this to just fall on deaf ears or, hey, that was interesting, and I'll just go home. So would you wrestle with these questions? And here are they. What is keeping me from becoming more generous? And just be honest with that. Is it fear? Man, am I worried? Do I don't think it's needed? What's keeping me from being generous? Where do I choose to be generous? Where am I doing that already? And where do I choose not to be generous? That might help you really get into the answer of the first question. And then finally, when I think about God's generosity, how, how do I like to tell that story? How do you communicate the incredible grace of God, the free gift that he gives us in Jesus? And how do you explain that to yourself? How do you explain that to your family? How do you explain that to your friends? How do you explain that to your coworkers? How do you explain the, the grace of God? Wrestle with that this week. And we want to continue to model to be a generous church. And I'm really proud of the fact that in our budget that we passed several weeks ago, we give away 14% of our offerings. So we don't touch 14%. It automatically goes out our door. I love that. And we're continuing to grow in that. We want to get more and more money that we're just giving away and transforming our community and the world. Um, and we want to be generous to you and model that. Now, last week, I sort of teased this, and on Friday's email, if you got it, um, you got a chance to log in before anybody else did. Uh, but today, I want to invite all of you to be a part of something. I found no better resource to help you experience financial freedom. Because one of the things I found is a lot of Jesus followers want to become more generous. They just don't know how to get there. And they have never been really taught how to manage money. And so Dave Ramsey has all kinds of resources for those who have never even thought about a budget before and teaching you how to budget, um, teaching you how to invest and how to insure and, and how to live and how to give. And he's got the legacy journey. So all of this is free to all the St. John family. Watching online, uh, it's free to you. You're here today, it's free for you today. So all of Dave, his Financial Peace University, his Legacy Journey, his Financial Peace Junior, teaching kids about how to handle money, all of the resources that are there, budgeting apps, uh, all that kind of stuff is yours for free. And, and it's just between you and the Dave Ramsey organization. We don't know what you're downloading, what you're looking at. We have no idea. We're just giving this as a gift. We had a couple of members who stepped up to help make this possible. We took some of our budget, and then two donors stepped up and said, we want to give this to the whole church for a year. And I'm hoping enough people engage in this that we say, we just want to provide this every single year for everybody who calls St. John home. So how do you get all those access to those resources? Well, here it is. You can probably guess how we're going to do this. Text Dave to 833-440-0137. 
and then you'll get a link, and that link will send you um, to his website, and it already has the code filled in, so it's free for you. Uh, we're paying for it. And you put in your name and your email address, and you'll set up your own password, and it's just between you and them. And every one of those resources is free for you. I want to challenge you, regardless of where you find yourself on the scale of, I have nothing, I'm way in debt, to I've got a lot of financial freedom in my life. There is resources there for you, and it'll transform the way you live. So please take advantage of that.